Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be going into the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2018. We begin by speaking with Salt and Light producer Sebastian Gomes about the new film, a sequel to his first film on Pope Francis. And then we will have a little Christmas in the middle of the year by remembering a conversation with Mother Joseph Andrew Bogdanowicz about the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist's last album, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring. It may not be Christmas, but it's great music and a great interview. In our second half hour, we speak about an important topic, the role of women in the church, with the writer of another Salt and Light documentary titled A Woman's Voice, Stories of Discernment and Grace. The writer is our very own Jillian Cantor, and she has much to say about the place of women in the church. And we end the program by meeting a young singer-songwriter, Kyle Sincouli. Let's begin now with The Francis Impact. Pope Francis had been Pope now for five years, and right from the beginning, he won the hearts of everyone. He's been on the cover of magazines, movies, and TV series have been made about his life. He's loved by Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For many people around the world, he has become the most authentic and credible moral leader. But his impact goes much deeper, far away from the Vatican. The real Francis impact is lived and felt among ordinary people who have been inspired by the Pope's call for more compassion, more inclusion, sustainability, and dialogue. And this is the focus of the new Salt and Light production, The Francis Impact, produced, written, and directed by Sebastian Gomes. And so I'm very happy to welcome Sebastian Gomes to our program. Welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour, Sebastian. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Great to be here. Yeah, so five years ago you made The Francis Effect. Um, This is... Can we say it's a sequel, but it's not really a sequel because it's not about Pope Francis, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, the Francis Effect was was a look at the major themes that were emerging after one year of Pope Francis. Right. If you remember, it was like a whirlwind. I mean, yeah, all I know. The, I know, you know I the know. news, he was all over the news. Like we, you just said, the cover of magazine, <laughs> we couldn't keep up. With, and everybody was saying, you know, what is happening, you yeah. know? And, and that movie was um, uh, met with a lot of success. A lot of people really appreciated the different themes that we broke down for uh-huh. people about how mm-hmm. he's communicating in new ways, how he's reaching the peripheries, how there's a blueprint right. for this whole pontificate, how he's kind of going back to Vatican II. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a few years after that movie came out, maybe 2016, um, people started asking us, you know, so much has happened since that first year. When are you going to make yeah, a sequel? What's next? Yeah. And so we started talking about that as a, as a potential follow-up documentary. Uh, but then when we decided that the fifth anniversary would be a good time mm-hmm. to, to do a, a new documentary, the big question that I asked uh, Father Tom and, you know, our team here at Salt and Light was, uh, how is it going to be different than what everybody else does right. for his fifth anniversary? Because everybody is looking at, you know, the reform like at the Vatican, whatever, you, know, yeah. you know, about what he's done, about what mm-hmm. he's not done, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. controversial issues has he, yeah. you know, weighed in on? What has he not done enough right, of? Exactly. You know, uh, kind of a, a, a report card yeah, yeah, yeah. on him. And I wanted to really do something different. So I said, okay, instead of looking at him, Let's take the spotlight and put it on the people who have actually felt his impact in right. their ordinary lives. And right. that was the springboard into this project. Yeah, that's why it's the impact. So so you're looking at 
how whatever the Pope is doing or saying is affecting real people like in the ground, on the ground, in That's the trenches. Right. So how did That's you right. how did you find these stories? What kind of stories are you looking at? Well, I one of the things I did right off the bat, too, was to try to isolate what are the main areas that Francis is concerned about. So uh-huh. after five years, what do we know that he's really concerned about? I'll give you a few. Mm-hmm. The environment, mm-hmm. right? The publication of Laudato Si, how yes. much he's... He's been outspoken about our need to protect our common home, change our behaviors, et cetera. Yeah. Refugees and immigration. Of course. Huge thing. Yes. He's been the kind of global leader on saying, look, we uh-huh. need to do a better job of not only welcoming people mm-hmm. and opening our doors, but um, integrating them uh-huh. into the new, the new places where they live. This is a phenomenon that's not, that's not slowing down anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, interfaith dialogue. You know, he's reached out very strongly across not only to other Christian churches, but to other religions yeah. as well. And, um, and that, that approach to dialogue, mm-hmm. that face of dialogue that he's put in the Catholic Church has been very consequential. Mm-hmm. Um, also pastoral reform. So within the church, you know, he's sort of begun to reform the way pastoral ministry, the attitude of pastoral ministry. Right. He wants it to be more uh, accompanying, more inclusive, mm-hmm. more... Um, you know, built on personal encounter and and reflection and discernment and things like that, as opposed to just a rule book that's laid down on the table for people to follow. So I looked at all those areas. I said, these are the big themes that Francis is concerned about. And I said, let's now look for the stories from within those different areas that, Uh that give flesh and blood to these these concepts. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So I started doing research. I researched for maybe three, four months uh, and found the stories that are now going to be told in the film. Right. So for ex- just to give an example, because we can't talk all- about all of them, but let's say, so pastoral reform, what kinds of reforms has he made and how, what is the story that, that I guess uh, gives life to that part of his impact? Right. So the story in the film that, that deals with pastoral reform is a really, really uh, moving, beautiful story that comes from uh, central Minnesota, which is actually where mm. I went to school. And it was ah. actually kind of how I found uh, the story in the first place. It was a classmate of mine that I'd been talking to. And, and she said, oh, my gosh, this couple that I know is a perfect, perfect story uh, for, for your film. And it worked out well. But the story is of a couple who um, both of their first marriages broke down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wife, uh, her first husband died in a horrible car accident. Um, the husband, his first wife left him Yeah, and both of those first families, they had three kids each. Right. So the two people who were experiencing, uh, um, you know, tragedy mm-hmm. in different ways from, from families breaking down, uh, found consolation in each other, eventually started dating and then decided to get married. And there were some complications around his application for, for annulment. annulment. And so the story really goes into how Francis and why Francis reformed the annulment process uh, between 2014 and 2015, which I don't want to spoil the end no, of the film, but, right. but had a direct impact on the lives of these two people okay. who, were, who, were, who were seeking that and who okay. wanted to be yeah. re- remarried or married again in the Catholic Church. Right. So you were... So that's in Minnesota. I know you also traveled to Lampedusa in Italy. You were in El, we were in El Salvador together. Right, yeah. So there's stories from all over the place. Um, what was maybe the most moving moment or surprising moment for you in making this film? There are many moving, uh, touching moments in the film. I mean, the people, and you know this from our time in El Salvador. I mean, yeah. the people that we that are that are the protagonists of this film. Um, are very sincere people. I yeah. mean, and, and the impact that, that Francis has had on them directly or indirectly, it's, it's so, 
it's so meaningful, you know. And it, and I think one of the one of the beautiful things about the film is, like you just said, it's a it's a universal. We're trying to be universal as much as possible. I mean, you know, um, we couldn't go everywhere yeah. <laughs> around the world to yeah. tell every story, but yes. we picked a few that are representative of all these different kind of cultural contexts. Yeah where the Pope is having a real impact. And there's really no other reason for these people to know about each other or to have any kind of connection no. other than the Pope has yeah. impacted yeah. their lives. So yeah. just just seeing how all the threads connect has been very powerful for uh-huh. me. Yeah. Um, I'll also say, you know, like we, we, we deliberately have interviewed a number of bishops and cardinals, five cardinals uh, uh-huh. in total, who are very close to the Pope and, again, from all, di- all different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. It's been really amazing to me to hear from a cardinal of the Catholic Church, how openly they speak about how Francis has changed them. Them personally. Them personally. Interesting. And their own approach to pastoral situations and their own approach to different issues that are in the church, their own approach to evangelization, their own approach to to being involved in like social issues, you know, being out on the street and that kind of thing. You know, like you and I saw that in in El Salvador. I mean, like the hierarchy, the institutional church really got on board in the the story that we tell uh, about uh, the the battle against metallic mining in El Salvador. Uh, and a lot of that came from from Pope Francis. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that that's good. If if the bishops are being changed, then that's a direct. And it's know, just not something. You, to, yeah, it's just people. not something you hear every day. No, you know, you we don't. kind of expect our local bishop and our and our cardinals to to have it all together and to like be the experts <laughs> in you know all these different churchy things. Yeah. And yeah, f- yeah. and to hear them very very sincerely say, you know, I see Francis do this. And that's really freed me in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's great. Like, why can't I do that? That's great. That's what they ask that's themselves, yeah, you know. Why can't I make a make a surprise visit? Absolutely. Why can't I call yeah. somebody and, and ask them how they're doing? Mm-hmm. Why can't I reach out to the people who are on the margins in that way? Absolutely, yeah. So maybe in closing, what uh, what do you hope that people will take from this film? Well, I hope that, uh, first of all, it will... It will help Francis uh, in a way uh, because yeah. I think I, I think his ministry is is extremely important for our particular moment in history um, I think he's revitalized the Catholic Church in, a, in remarkable ways um, and I think the story is really uh, a testament to that um, uh-huh. and so I, I hope that it, it in it inspires people um, and I also hope that it um, emboldens people for them to see that, Yes, the Pope is like a symbolic, but also an important leader that we should follow. Uh, but we also have to do something. Absolutely. It's about the people on the ground who, who affect the most change yeah. you know, in our world. Yeah. And the Pope can inspire us and lead us, but we all have to kind of do something and participate in that. So I hope it, it emboldens people to, mm-hmm. to see what, to reflect on maybe what they could do at the grassroots level in all these different areas that are so important to the Pope, but also so important to us as Catholics. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, the trailer is out, so people can go to the website and watch the trailer. I'm going to give you that site in a bit. Uh, thank you, Sebastian. I'm, uh, again, looking f- very much forward to, we hear a lot about how this film is going here at, at work, so looking forward <laughs> to see how it, it comes together. Sebastian Gomes is a producer at Salt and Light Media. He is the writer, director, and producer of The Francis Effect. And his new film, The Francis Impact, will be out this fall. Check out the webpage, watch the trailer, and all kinds of other neat things that are on that website at thefrancisimpact.com. Here now are the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, with Wake Awake, for Night is Flying, from their new Christmas album, Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring.
That was the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, with Wake Awake for Night is Flying, from their new Christmas album, Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring. A few years ago, we heard about the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, when they recorded and released their first album, Mater Eucharisti. Since then, they've released two more albums, one on the Rosary, Meditations and Music, and now a beautiful Christmas album that we've been listening to, Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, Christmas with the Dominican Sisters of Mary. The sisters do all their singing and recording at their mother house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but their music has received great publicity through many outlets, CBS, NPR, The New York Times, CNN, The Washington Post, and also when the sisters made it to the finals on the American Bible Challenge on the Game Show Network. To find out more about their congregation and their music, earlier this year I spoke with Sister Joseph Andrew Bogdanovich. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you so very much. It's great to be here. I'm very excited because last time when your community put out an album, Mater Eucharisté, um, we were not able to speak with one of the sisters because of your schedule and, and your, your living I mean, you are sisters, you're a community, you're, are you cloistered? You are, no, we're no, not. You're we're not. teachers. You're uh-huh. teachers, that's right, you're mm-hmm. Dominicans. But it was impossible to get someone, so we're very happy that we actually mm. found you this time because you are the sister who is responsible for all these wonderful recordings. Well, I certainly uh, lead the projects. <laughs> so, so tell us <laughs> a little bit. Part in them. Uh-huh. Tell us a little bit how that works. You said you're teachers, you're Dominicans. We are. Um, but obviously, music is a great part of what you do in your community. True, being Dominicans and our Dominican spirituality is 800 years old this year, and yes. our community yes. is 20 years old. So, um, in the Dominican um, heritage and and spirituality. Music is a very important part because, mm-hmm. again, our spirituality is is very incarnational. St. Dominic wanted us to pray with our minds, bodies, hearts, you know, right. with everything we are to, to lift it to God. So even in our divine office, which we pray uh-huh. you know, several times a day, we um, have you know, bows and, and things like that. It's a very monastic way of praying. Right. And so the music is is essential to our prayer. And I think it's essential to to everyone when we think of Saint John Paul too, when he said that mankind's heart was made for the good, the true, the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well the beautiful yes. is a beautiful way of opening our hearts. And so music, good music leads us into prayer. And that's exactly uh, how our sisters love music and use music. We, I always say we use music a great deal. We use it for prayer and for play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not that normal for a, I mean, to use that and then make these recordings. You've had this, as you said, this new album, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring. It's a Christmas album, but it's your third album. You first had Mater Eucharistie, named after your congregation, so because you're the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, so the Eucharist uh-huh. is very important. And then you did a rosary um, album as well. That's right, Deacon. So why, wh- how, did, how did that come about? I'm curious to know, I, I was curious to know about that, that, that uh, corporate meeting where you all sat around the table to decide that you were going to put out an album. Well, to begin with, people had been asking us, you know, we can't come visit you, but we would love to. Is there a way that you can share your prayer life, or at least your music, with us? And so that really began the very first one, 
and all three are an overflow, so to speak, of of our community prayer life. Mm-hmm. So, if you did come to Ann Arbor and you came to our mother house and were yeah. in our prayers, you would hear this music. You know, it's not something we just did. We know this. In fact, this uh, Christmas CD, which a lot of people have been begging for and begging for, right? Um, and we finally, you know said, well, let's do it because they can't come into the Mother House for our Christmas Eve Mass or our, our Midnight Mass or, okay. or our Christmas Masses, etc. And yet there is so much joy and so much beauty, so we wanted to share that with them as, as much as we're able to, certainly. Right. And so we, the difficulty was getting it down to 16 hymns yes. that are on the, because we all have so many that we absolutely love. And the beautiful thing is, too, it's totally done by the sisters. The voices are done, obviously, mm-hmm. completely the sisters, as well as the a cappella music, of course, as well as the chamber orchestra. Um, the They're sisters, all sisters play the music. So it's, wow. it's us. It's, it's kind of our home reaching out to everyone in their homes right. this Christmas season. Now, you, you answered my, my next question, which was how, how the idea of a Christmas album came about. You said people were clamoring for Christmas music. But, <laughs> I, but my next question was going to be, how did you pick the, you said, 16 tracks? Exactly. So mm-hmm. h- how was that process? Who, who made the final decision? Well... A smaller group of us certainly did. We put down the ones that that we like, you know, and mm-hmm. then um, because there's there's only a dozen sisters that really are used in in this, and okay. so it wasn't that large of a group. But again, we know what makes our Christmas traditions here at the Mother House come so alive, and all the sisters come home. So now. We have 138 sisters that will be coming home, and no, we don't have enough room for them, but we'll make it happen. Right. And so Christmas is, is a family celebration of, of a birth, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and these 16 hymns, we wanted variety, so they actually represent 10 different countries, so it's multinational. Oh, wow. yes. And then we represent from the 5th century all the way to the present, so... A couple of the hymns were written by the sisters, and then we oh, go wonderful. all the way back to the fifth century Latin, and and so we have such a, a beautiful smattering of what we consider some of the best of, of the church's music at Christmas. Right. Um, lots more we would have liked to add. However, um, we had to get it down to what a CD would hold. Right. Now, how is that recording process? I understand you recorded it in your chapel. We did. We recorded it in our chapel because, again, it kind of represents what we would sound like for right. you and others able to come be a part of our Christmas. Right. Our That's Christmas where you liturgy. normally would sing. Yes. Exactly. So we wanted to, as we did the other uh, two CDs as well, we want the our chapel sound because it's us. Yes. And then, actually, because the sisters know music well, and again, it is such a part of our life. We recorded it in just two and a half days. Okay. I mean, it, it happened quickly because That's, yes. we we love this music. Right. Mm-hmm. So getting all the sisters together for the for the singing and the musicians. I didn't know the musicians were also sisters. You're, you're actually one of the musicians yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's not... I, I always ask when I think of music groups, I think, how is that working together? But you live together in community. <laughs> I know community <laughs> life is difficult enough. 
Right, and we sing a great deal. Yes. We, we love music. Uh-huh. Yes. It's a lifting up of the mind and heart to God in a beautiful way. Amen, uh-huh. and it's a great way for you to help us lift our hearts and minds to God as well. Um, I'm not going to let you go without asking you, because you're also the vocations director, and I know that... You've you've said it, but I know it's you know that you're actually getting a lot of vocations. Is a lot of that due to the fact that people are aware of your music, or the music is attracting young postulants? You know, Deacon, since the beginning of our community twenty years ago, by four sisters, we have always gotten a lot of a good number of women have looked at the community, whether or not they have a, a vocation. I think it's a community that has a strong outreach of yes. that maternal spiritual love, uh-huh. and I think that really does draw in um, priests who are interested in send girls to us, parents mm-hmm. who say, well, if they're going to perhaps look at a community, what about yours? And young women who say, well, that looks very successful if the average age is 31 and I'm in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I fit right into that. Right. So. I think God is the only answer to why we are getting Hmm. so many. Yes, we live um, a beautiful religious life with a great deal of joy, and we live it with a great deal of sacrifice. And I think those two together make it very authentic in the way the Church has asked us to live religious life. And our outreach is teaching, and we teach now from pre-K all the way into colleges, So, and we're in the United States as well as Rome. So... Our mm-hmm. outreach as the sisters come through the eight-year formation is spreading out, and um, I just I, I credit it all to God's mercy and God's goodness for not only our community but for the church. Amen. You know? Amen. And and that is absolutely true. There is something though about witnessing to that through the joy that uh-huh. I I believe is very. I mean, visible, but it's palpable in in your community, and we can certainly see it through all the projects that you work on, but especially through the music. Uh-huh. Um, so, thank you for sharing it with us. Well, um, I wish you. They they are already saying that this is going to be the classical album of the year, of the Christmas the Christmas album of the year. So, I'm just saying it. it uh, <laughs> um, Christmas music is is very close to everyone's heart, so I I know that it's going to be very successful. If I can use that word, I know that six, we measure success in different ways. Um, <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, thank sister, you. thank you so much for, for uh, uh, taking a little bit of your time to, to share with us today a little bit about what you do and about your community. Oh, God love you. It's pure joy. I appreciate all you're doing for the church, too, Deacon. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Sister Joseph Andrew Bogdanovich of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. You can find out more about the sisters and their work at their website, sistersofmary.org. Their latest album, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring, Christmas with the Dominican Sisters of Mary, was uh, produced by Demand for Music and distributed by Sony Classical. You can buy it anywhere you buy your Christmas music, but if you order directly from the sisters' website... Some of the proceeds will go directly to the sisters. That's sistersofmary.org. Here now are the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, with Sleep Little Jesus from their new Christmas album, Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring.
We're listening to the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist with Sleep Little Jesus from their Christmas album, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Does the Catholic Church engage the voices of women to the aid and advancement of the Church itself? Now, if you look at this through the lens of the secular world, the answer is no. Women in the Church are oppressed, silenced, unable to break a stained glass ceiling of Church hierarchy. But there's a new documentary made by Salt and Light Television called A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace that invites us to look into a new conversation with a new perspective to answer all these crucial and controversial questions and to look at the place of women in the church. And to tell us more about it, I'm joined by our very own parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, who today for our Easter show is not talking to us about parenting, but talking to us about what it means to be a woman in the church. Jillian. I'm very diverse. I can handle all sorts of questions. Well, if you're a mother, you're a woman. So that <laughs> that's a good <laughs> all thing. All makes sense. All makes sense. Now, just le- I'm, I was going to say you are the producer of this documentary. I know that you were the writer of this documentary. Can you, yes. can you let us know exactly what your involvement was w- with making yeah. this film? I'd say I wasn't the producer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just put my role as um, writer and uh, researcher um, overall thinker. <laughs> yeah, but you had a you had a strong role in giving this shape. Right? Um, yeah, I I will just be very humble and say, oh no, it came to me almost finished. <laughs> really, yes. I kind of stepped into it um, from a freelance writer's point of view at a dream point because many of the interviews were already finished. Right, um, they'd already been completed. Um, the visuals were filmed. Um, women had been, or ideas and concepts had been researched, women had yeah. been interviewed, and so it was kind of handed to me and said, now let's put this together, let's put some right. order to put it. put it together. Yes, and so from the very first time I watched what had been put together as a rough cut, I was involved in the story, and I right. felt it impossible to not be, right? because as a woman of the Church, and knowing um, many other women of the Church, and the questions they have about who they are and what their role is, mm-hmm. um, there were questions that needed to be answered, and I felt like I, I just couldn't, at that point, I couldn't walk away from it, and I, re- I really needed to take mm-hmm. on this project. Well, maybe, so, yeah, sorry, before we go on, can you tell us quickly what this documentary is about? Sure, yes, of course. Um, A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace, features 11 women from around the world um, discussing their role and work within the Church. Okay. And that, those, that work and those roles... Um, range from being missionary mothers um, in northern diocese to the former mayor of Bethlehem um, to uh, a mother of quadruplets uh-huh. to a woman who serves as the vice chancellor within an archdiocese in Canada. So they're it's they're really mm-hmm. diverse, um, different backgrounds, different ages, different stories, um, and I think that's key because not all women of the church are the same. There isn't one role for women in the church. Um, 
as many as there are women, that's as many as there are ministries mm-hmm. and roles and work. And I think that's it's a fascinating perspective because I think once you've watched this documentary or once you've gone through the study guide that accompanies it, mm-hmm. I hope your perspective has been altered so that you view each woman within your parish in a different light. Okay. Now because I'm, no matter who yeah. we are or what we're doing, there is a connection there to the building up of the kingdom, to the building up of the church. Hmm. Now I know you didn't you didn't have a say in necessarily in, in choosing all the women, but you did have a say in some of them. So how were these women chosen? Um, well, we did. We wanted that diverse background. So um, I was considering who was already in the documentary. Um, who are we missing? What sort of voices in terms of age, um, background, work? Um, we just really wanted to span a great number of sources, a great number of people, so that anybody who's watching should be able to identify with someone. Maybe not, it's maybe right. not some, they may not recognize themselves in a particular woman, but they will recognize someone that they know, um, uh-huh. or even just pieces of a particular woman's story, or a few pieces from a few different women's story you're going to be able to relate to, right? So, um, yeah. and make that story connect with your own. So it's not just women. I mean, you have Carolyn Wu, for example, uh, or, or someone like you mentioned, the uh, the woman who's the chancellor of the diocese. They're, they're, it's not just women who are doing these, you know, huge things. You also mentioned that you have mothers or women who are doing missionary work. Right. It, it, why? So when you talk about diversity of roles of women in the church, what what do you mean? Um, do we mean that women need to be vice chancellors of dioceses or no, rectors of not. seminaries? Yeah. I think... Um, where it really all came together for me, um, and even in an emotional way, was when I was writing for the study guide to accompany the DVD. Yeah. And I was thinking about my own work and how I would, or how I would or could mm-hmm. ever claim it for the church, because you know most days things I do are very much hidden. Well, you're Nobody a stay at you're a stay at home mom. Yeah. So the few the few times that I speak to you on the phone and tell you what I learned from my kids, that's really that's my voice outside of my own home. Other yeah. than that, here I am, and nobody knows what I'm doing. And I'd say for the most part, nobody really cares. And it's really humbling when you you you're a young person and you think, what am I going to be when I grow up? Uh-huh. And then you come to this point where you're like, I am here in this house by myself with a bunch of little people who don't necessarily listen to me. Is this what I wanted? And you kind of, it is that moment of crisis in your own life, just trying to figure out who am I and what do I do? And as I listened to these women and I put piece together their stories, it became apparent that, that yes, we are all doing work for the church so long as we claim it. And that I think is an important step because Mm. it might feel silly, you might feel stupid to say, this is who I am and I'm doing this work for the building up of a kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And no matter what that is, no matter how hidden it is, no matter how public it is, this is what I'm doing, this is who I am. I'm not sure if I'm really making it clear, but when I finished writing that introduction and I signed my name to it and I wrote, I'm going to get emotional now, when I wrote wife, mother, writer, Mm -hmm. I felt like that was me giving that work to the Lord mm-hmm. and saying, this is who I am and who I will be for you. Mm-hmm. And so as small as what my role is, I don't know that I'm influencing very many people, certainly not as many people as, you know, a missionary working to help refugees. Um, yeah. Still, I have identified my work as the Lord. And yeah. it's, it's as long as we are all fulfilling our vocation, 
then we are, um, that's the pinnacle of our, our faith. That's, yeah. That's what God is asking of us and, and making that commitment. This is such a real statement. Yeah, it's such a much larger conversation, and I wish we, had, we wish we had twice the amount of time. We have about a minute left, so I want to ask you, maybe in closing, who is this documentary for? Is it for women who work in the church, who feel that they're not valued, or who are not sure how their work is valuable, or is it for people who think that women in the church have no place or no say yes. in the church? Yes, and yes, <laughs> it's for all of those people. I think women in the church can watch it and. Um, and like I said, hopefully recognize themselves in some of the women that we have featured. Mm-hmm. And they can, you know, they can they can make that an opportunity for them to say, this is who I am and this is what I will do for the church and for the Lord. It's also for, um, you know, priests and seminarians and the leaders uh, in the church. And, and I say leaders, meaning the male leaders yeah. of our church, so that they can have a better appreciation of who women are and what is the work that they do. Because, yes, they do see the women, they recognize the women who are volunteering in their parish, but let's take a deeper look at who they are and the quality um, of the work that they do and the impact that it has on the souls of the other people. Right. Like that really needs to be embraced, I think, by the Church. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, oh, it's yeah. for women who feel lost, like they don't have a role. I hope... I'll, hopefully I can fit this story in. Um, early on in writing this documentary, I mentioned it to um, a woman I know from the parish, my own parish, um, what I was working on and what the storyline was. And as soon as I said it's about the role and, wor- of, and work of women in the church, she said, oh, my goodness, we need to be priests. Women need to be priests. Right. She said, this, this is what this pope is doing for us. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> right, and that's not what it's but about. she was yeah. very adamant that, that is, that's what has to happen. Um, and so in my mind, as I was writing it, I was writing it for her so that she could see the quality and the value in the work that women are doing right now. And that priesthood and is that not necessary. And that it doesn't yes. need to become yes. um, the switch in vocation. Mm-hmm. That yeah. if we're negating, or sorry, that if we are focusing on that one role, if we're focusing on the thing that we're, said, that we're told we can't do, then it's, we're negating and dismissing all that mm-hmm. amazing thing that we are doing. And we are doing amazing things yeah. for the Church. It, yeah. So I hope that message comes clear in the documentary yeah. and in the study guide. Um, I hope women and, and all people see some value in this documentary Absolutely. and some perspective. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's one of the most exciting things we've ever done here at Salt and Light and, and important. So A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace. If you're in our broadcasting area, you can watch this on Easter Sunday at 8 p.m., um, and if you're outside our broadcasting area, you can watch it streaming live on our website, saltandlighttv.org, uh, slash live, and also 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace. I'm sure I'd love to, to continue this conversation with you, Jillian, because it's a, it's a much larger and important yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you for what you did uh, for it, and uh, I'm looking forward to I haven't seen the final cut, so I'm looking forward to, to, to watching that. Thank you oh, again. Thank you so much. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the latest Salt and Light TV documentary, A Woman's Voice, and she is our parenting expert here for the Salt and Light Hour. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Kyle Sincouli, with Brother from his new album, Walk With Me. Brother, you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity 
You caught a glimpse of the victor's crown in travesty But the golden jewels left you feeling empty well, Brother, I see the light of heaven's porch There's a man that is waiting for you to open the door And even though you were lost, there is so much more Brother, would you walk with me? Brother, would you walk with me? And just take my hand And go If you 
That was Kyle Sincouli with Brother from his new album, Walk With Me. Kyle Sincouli is a young singer-songwriter from Central Texas. He began singing and playing guitar at local churches. Soon after, he began writing songs, and his debut album is titled Walk With Me. It's the album that we've been listening to. And now Kyle is playing big festival stages all over the United States and opening for the likes of Matt Marr and The Afters. And today, Kyle Sincouli is here with us on the Salt and Light Hour. Kyle, welcome to our program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Deacon. Um, so, question that I, I usually ask everybody when they first come on the show, what, what was it like growing up for you? You grew up in Central Texas? Yeah, so growing up was good. I was uh, in a small town of about uh, 2,500 people, uh-huh. so uh, everybody knows everybody, which right. is great. Yeah, um, to get the word out about anything. Um, <laughs> so, I, growing up was good. I did was focused in music a lot, and yeah. uh, my my dad actually got me into music. He was in a band for a while. So, okay, growing up was uh, mostly in and out of church doing uh-huh. music. Okay, so you were. You were growing up in in, in 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 a church environment and in a musical environment. Yes. Um, and yes. Um, so, and were you doing, I guess, music in church as well? Yeah. So I went to a small Catholic school in um, the t- the town I'm from is about thirty minutes north of uh, Waco, so the fixer upper okay. capital uh-huh. of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. And so I started doing music at our Friday morning masses um, when I was in the seventh grade. Uh-huh, wow. And so that's kind of where it started. Wow. And But you were playing, like you were doing masses and stuff. You weren't leading, like leading worship, worship or anything like that in grade seven, were you? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> did, you, did you, as a teenager, ever go through periods of time when you were like rebellious or doubting your faith? Um, not necessarily when I was a teenager. Um, uh-huh. When, um, after... After um, grade school and going into high school, um, we a few people from our church, um, St. Mary's and West, um, started a little youth band, and so we would do uh, small gigs around uh, at different churches. And I didn't get into worship leading until I got asked by the Baptist church in the town to okay. lead their youth services. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yes. Interesting. What was that like? Uh, it was great um, because ha- half of my family um, is Southern Baptist. Okay. And the, okay. Other, and the other half is is Catholic. Okay. Good. That's a good combination. Um, when when did you start writing your own stuff? Um, I started writing uh, from what my parents told me when I was really young. Uh-huh. I was just you know right. Uh, a little silly song. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. start taking it seriously until um, I was around fourteen or fifteen. Right. And were you writing church-based music uh, lyrics, or was it just stuff about anything? Um, a lot of it was stuff that um, was related to me. And growing up um, north of Waco, uh, David Crowder was a huge influence, and so I okay. really loved writing church music and. 
actually um, one of the songs off my album uh, is called um, From the Cross. Oh, yeah. I actually wrote when I was 14. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of it was early. <laughs> wow. So then this first album, uh, Walk With Me, it, it was kind of a compilation of all the stuff you had written uh, uh, from when you started writing music or some of the best stuff? Yeah, so it was the the album started. The idea for it started when I had released, recorded, and released a song uh, called "Promised Land." Okay. Um, and one of one of the uh, men from our church sponsored me to go record it, and it ended up doing really well on uh, Amazon, and it sat at the number one spot for a little while. Oh yeah. And my dad thought that that would be a good idea um, for me to go ahead and record some of the other songs that I had. Um, And so um, he sponsored the album and um, told me that if I if I was going to do it, I had to I had to sit down and focus on it and write some good songs. So that's what I did. (laughs) That's good. Good incentive to have your dad, uh, sponsoring you. Um, did you ever play with your dad? Um, he was in, um, some, some country cover bands and, Uh um, wasn't really involved in, in church when I was growing up, um, music wise. Okay. Um, so, but now we play together, um, through the, uh, acts. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Now, why did you settle on that title? Walk with me. Um, it actually was not my idea to call the song. I was going to title it off of the track brother. Uh huh. Okay. Um, And then I I had a couple of people tell me that you should call it walk with me since it's, you know, kind of your journey up till now. Uh, I thought that was a good idea. And (laughs) I listen to people that are smarter than me, so <laughs> that was that was the idea behind it. So, do you feel how how do you, how does that kind of summarize your journey up to this point? So, up to this point, growing up, um, wanting to find out uh, about myself, uh, you know, you're kind of discovering yourself along along the way of high school and into early college and figuring out who you are. And a lot of those songs were songs that I didn't necessarily try to write to um, portray a specific message. It was what I was going through at the time mm-hmm. and and how, how my faith related to that. And um, didn't I didn't really discover how deep... Um, my faith life was until um, I actually walked away from the church for a little bit right. um, and came back to it. And so I think those songs are a reflection of that time uh-huh. where I was discovering who I was. Right. Um, uh, you're you're doing a lot of shows, live shows, and or hoping to do live shows. Um, are you also writing more music and recording still? Is there... Um, recently, Recently, um, I am taking a break. Um, I've been working a little bit um, on some different jobs, uh-huh. um, but am planning on um, 
getting back into writing and uh, hopefully putting out another album here in the next couple of years. Oh, good. That will be good because uh, uh, it's really good stuff, uh, Kyle. Um, uh, thank you for for sharing a little bit of, of what you do with us today. And, and uh, we look forward to more good music coming from you in the next couple of years. Make sure you let us know so we can get you back on the show, okay? Yes, will do. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle Sinkuli, you can find out more. He's got a website. It's, uh, you know what, it's kylesinkulimusic.wixsite.com, but we're going to put that link on our site, saltonlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. Um, Sinkuli, it's spelled S-I-N-K-U-L-E if you want to search him. Uh, but you can also look him up on Instagram. He's really busy on Instagram, at Kyle S. Official. Kyle S. Official is the handle for Instagram for Kyle Sinkuli. Let's uh, end with a song here now. Is Kyle Sinkuli with Saul from his album Walk With Me. I was dead in the grave Buried in all my sin I was six feet under Life was a game I couldn't win But there was a fire The burn bright I was filled with desire From this grave I'll rise again Rise again Since you wake up This dead man walking Shake off Rumors and talking I'm a listening to Kyle Sinkuli with Saul from his album Walk With Me and that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour remember to check out our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio that's where you can find out links to all these artists and also listen to all these interviews again if you missed any part of them and for any comments feedback or questions you can reach me via Facebook or Twitter just look for Deacon Pedro thank you for listening I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I was blinded
path there 